When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hi there, welcome to The Tent. I'm your host, Scott Feldman, and it's time for another journey into the world of aquariums from uh, our unique perspective, or what I like to call our unique perspective anyway. Today, I want to talk to you about something that I think is a little bit different than what we normally talk about. It's something pretty interesting to, at least it is to me, and I hope it is to you. It's about substrates. Now, when it comes to substrates in our aquariums, you know, the, the bottom of the tank, sand, gravels and stuff, there's a lot of choices out there these days, right? I mean, we have specialized planted aquarium substrates, we have purely decorative choices, and, and okay, we have those two right now. <laughs> Don't get me wrong, I love aquarium substrates. I'm practically as obsessed with substrates as you might be with rocks or driftwood, like weirdly geekily obsessed. Like I'm the guy who hangs out for uncomfortably long periods of time at the Carib Sea or Seacam booths at conferences and trade shows. You know, the guy that talks, just talking it up with the beleaguered sales reps who really just want to go home for the day, but you know, hopefully this weird guy will keep him busy for a while and then eventually walk away. Yeah, I'm that geeky. I'm seriously geeky about it. Now, I not only love substrates for what they are and what they do for the hobby, I would, I would literally build a company around them. I think they're that fascinating. Just crazy, right? Maybe I like them too much. And soon we are going to have some more functional substrates available. And in the meantime, though, why don't you take advantage of what's out there and be adventurous and concoct your own? Yeah, I've always looked at substrate materials the way other people look at cocktails. It's about mixing stuff. Yeah, seriously. Now, in nature, there are numerous factors which contribute to the composition of substrates in wild aquatic habitats, including geology, the flow velocities, the bodies of water, the surrounding topography, the seasonal variations in water level, you know, the inundation and desiccation cycles, the accumulation of materials from the surrounding terrestrial environment, and a lot of other factors. So why the hell don't we as hobbyists who want to create the most realistic approximations of these wild habitats possible, why don't we do more? Why do we just mail it in when it comes to substrate? I mean, literally with most people, it's like just open a bag of whatever sand and call it a day, move on to the more exciting parts of our tank. I think we just rely on the commercially available stuff and that's that. That's okay, but, and in defense of the, you know, but we can do more, but in defense of the manufacturers of the sands and gravels, I love what they do and what they have available. These items are generally of excellent quality, they provide a range of choices for a variety of applications, and they're readily available. However, in my opinion, they're just a great starting point as well for creating a more dynamic substrates for our aquariums, kind of like a tomato puree would be to tomato sauce or pasta sauce. A beginning. Sure, you could just use a puree and pour it over your pasta and enjoy your, your thing, but isn't it always better to add a little bit of this and a little bit of that and build on that base to create something better? Totally. Damn, it's like 7 o'clock in the morning here in L.A. and I'm craving penne. Go figure. Oh, well. There in a nutshell, that's my theory of aquarium substrates. I think we can do a little bit better. Now, in many of the tropical regions that we are obsessed with, the basic substrate is often referred to as fine white sand in most of the scientific papers you might read. Typically, but not necessarily, it's a silica of some sort. And, of course, other locations have slightly larger grain sizes of, you know, pulverized stones and 
materials like that. Still others are comprised of sediments that wash down from higher elevations during the, you know, seasonal rains and thaws up in the, like, for example, up in the Andes. Deep rivers will typically have a different substrate composition than, say, shallow marginal streams or floodplain lakes or even flooded forests. In the Amazon region, for example, a huge percentage of that sediment and materials that comprise these substrates are derived from the Andes Mountains, where they're transported down to lower elevations by water flow. This has a huge foundational impact on the chemistry of the waters in the region. This process builds, you know, not only the fertile floodplain soils along the Andean tributaries and the main stem of the Amazon, but it also impacts things down in the lower levels in the forests. There's a whole science around aquatic substrates and their morphology, their formation, and their accumulation. I don't pretend to be, you know, an expert on this stuff or know even one iota about it other than I've skimmed a lot of marine biology and hydrology books and papers from time to time because I'm interested in this stuff. However, merely just exploring the information available on these tropical habitats that we love so much, even just looking at pictures long and hard, you know, those underwater pictures that we publish can give you some good ideas and some inspiration. Think about it. In some areas, particularly streams, which run through rainforests and such, the substrates are often simply a soil of some sort. We've talked about this before. It's usually a finer, darker colored sediment or soil, and that's not uncommon. It's based on the ionic, mineral, and physical conditions of the materials that are dissolved into the water. And it varies based on the water velocities and stuff like that. Now, those meandering lowland rivers, they kind of keep their sediment loads by continually resuspending and depositing materials within their channels. That's a key point when we consider how these materials stay in aquatic ecosystems. Now, I could go on and on with my amateur, highly unscientific point of view and speculation on substrates in Amazonia and elsewhere, but you get the point. There is more to substrate materials found in nature than just sand. The biggest takeaway here, there's more to it. So as hobbyists, we have more options, more inspirations to draw on to create what I think are more compelling substrates in our aquariums. What this means to us, taking into account the pasta sauce analogy, of course, is that we should consider mixing other materials into our basic aquarium sands. For example, you could mix aquatic plant soils into your sand. You could experiment with various materials such as clay or other mineral-based or plant-based components of varying particle sizes. Obviously, your substrate's going to look a lot different than the typical aquarium substrate when you start mixing this stuff. Your overall aquarium will, too. And that's a good thing, in my opinion. I've played around with this stuff a lot in my office, you know, brackish mangrove aquarium that we've seen over the last year or two, where the substrate played a huge and integral functional role in the aquarium as well as an aesthetic one. You're taking something that's just sort of typically there in most aquariums and making it a lot more interesting, elevating it almost as an important structural and functional and aesthetic component of the aquarium. And of course, you can experiment with botanical materials. Yep, that's right. When we first started Tannin Aquatics, well, over four years ago now, I made it a point to offer materials which I felt played a key role in what I call habitat enrichment, or sometimes I call it substrate enrichment or whatever. It's an entirely concocted, decidedly unscientific way of saying that adding botanical materials into the typical inert substrates that we use will help foster some enhanced biological activity, you know, like decomposition, the development of fungi and biofilms, and the creation of overall a more dynamic area for fishes to forage among. Materials like our mixed leaf media, which is a combination of finely crushed leaves, uh, form the basis of a sort of a biologically active and even a productive substrate. And as these materials break down, they're colonized by fungi and biofilms, and they impart tannins, lignins, and other sources of carbon into the water to fuel a variety of microbial growth. 
And of course, larger crustaceans and even fishes will consume the organisms that live in this matrix of material, as well as possibly consuming some of the detritus from the decomposing leaves themselves. It's very different looking and functioning substrate for sure. Now at the risk of sounding too commercial here, suffice it to say we'll have a whole, we have a whole damn section on this stuff called substrate additives on our website for the very purpose of facilitating these kind of geeky experiments that I hope you do. That stuff is that interesting to me that I put a whole page on that stuff. <laughs> it's wide open for lots of experimentation, some evolution, and even breakthroughs. Just look to nature once more. Bold experiments and efforts based on what we see in the wild aquatic habitats of the world are really timely right now. It's amazing stuff. And of course, these types of things require some trade-offs, right? You know, I know, our aquariums are not open systems like the wild habitats and the, the dynamics of weather and water and input and throughput are vastly different. However, that doesn't preclude us from trying to replicate on some levels the function of these structures as we see them in nature, does it? Of course not. You just need to accept some stuff. You'll have to get used to stringy biofilms. You'll see detritus in decomposition. You'll see all that stuff by mixing materials such as mixed leaf media, fundotropical, substratophino, just to name a few, into your sand. You can create this like really interesting, one might say to borrow from our uh, vivarium friends, bioactive kind of a substrate. You'll also probably create a bit of a damn mess if you're not too fastidious about the overall husbandry. You need not to overstock overfeed, etc. You know, basic stuff. Sure, it's entirely possible to create a smelly anaerobic pile of shit in the bottom of your aquarium. And that's okay, but that's not what we're trying to do here, right? You need to move forward with caution. You have to observe very carefully. You have to have some reasonable expectations about what will happen, and you have to accept an entirely different look, as I keep telling you. Typically, when you're enriching the substrate with botanical materials, you'll see an initial surge of the aforementioned biofilms and such, and ultimately it subsides to a sort of baseline of a little bit of stuff among the substrate. But the warning here, it'll never look pristine or what I like to call competition sterile. Get that idea of your head immediately, just put it to rest. However, it will look much, much more natural, dynamic, and really altogether unique. When you're incorporating decomposing botanical materials, not only are you adding to the biological load of the aquarium, you're also going to be fostering the growth of all those beneficial microorganisms like bacteria. Now, could this lead to enhanced, you know, denitrification or even fermentation in deeper substrates? You know, stuff that over enhances the overall water quality. And what about its potential as like a mulch of some sort for aquatic plant growth? Are there a lot of benefits like this to playing with this stuff? I have evidence to make me believe that is so. Mainly, my evidence consists of undetectable levels of nitrate and phosphate on pretty advanced hobbyist level test kits, you know, good overall water quality. I've maintained these types of substrates over very long periods of time without any issues, period. Now, you may nuke your entire frickin' tank, of course, if you're not careful, but I think it highly unlikely if you follow just the basic tenets of aquarium husbandry, otherwise, you know, water changes, overstocking, all the stuff I keep talking about. I played with this idea for almost 15 years now, for about 14 and a half years now, without a single issue. Gee, Scott, thanks. Another way to kill my fishes, courtesy of your weird ideas. Well, it's not that weird, is it? I mean, really, it's not that dangerous. I just don't want some, you know, flat-out beginner heading home from the local fish store with a, you know, three-gallon aquarium and a, you know, SpongeBob bubbling ornament and purple gravel and 20 neon tetras to go online, stumble on 10 in aquatics, see some pics, and dump 12 ounces of crushed leaves in the gravel and expect some sort of miracles. You know what I mean? So, yeah. Radical ideas require some education, some understanding, some mindset shifts, manage expectations, and certainly responsibility. 
Oh, and observation and pain in the patients too. Yet the possibilities are too exciting not to venture into this area, in my opinion. The idea of enriching your aquarium substrate is really compelling, especially when we look at it from a more holistic perspective of the botanical-style aquarium. It becomes yet another component of that microcosm that we create. And of course, it needs to be viewed as a dynamic part of the aquarium's ecology, not simply as an aquascaping prop. Now, you've seen me playing with that uh, urban agapo idea and the funky-looking substrates and decomposing stuff for the better part of a year now. And we're going to bring some stuff out soon for you to try for yourself. In the meantime, just think about this stuff more. Think about the process and what goes on in such a substrate. Study it. Observe it. And reap the potential benefits when it's done right. Stay bold. Stay creative. Stay observant. Stay vigilant. Stay diligent. Stay patient. And always stay wet. Till next time, I hope I piqued your interest in this sort of uh, idea. And I'd like to hear from you and see some of the things that you're playing with. Keep in touch and look forward to seeing you in the next episode of The Tint.